This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Henry had made fools of all of them. As he stood there in the middle of the crowd of people who had come for the museum's new gallery opening, he couldn't help but smile. My, how far he had come. Decades earlier, he'd been a brilliant young artist. His paintings were spectacular and eye-catching, and he had a promising career ahead of him. And yet, well, he was just a bit too honest. When an art critic offered to print a favorable review of his work for a hefty price, Henry refused. The resulting review destroyed his career before it had even begun. But standing here, in the middle of the exhibit crowd... While hundreds of people filed past his work, all of the suffering seemed worth it. Along the way, of course, he had picked up new skills and transformed himself into an entirely new artist. That's how you learn and grow, after all. But Henry took it one step further. The exhibit, you see, was for a newly discovered Vermeer painting. There weren't many of the 17th century Dutch masters' paintings in existence, so finding a new one was guaranteed to draw a crowd. What none of them knew, though, is that Henry, and not Vermeer, had been the man to paint it. It was his sweet moment of revenge. All of those critics and peers that had doubted him and pushed him down were now nothing more than fools, tricked into believing that a painting Henry had created was actually the work of a Dutch master. It was validating. That was 1937. Over the next few years, Henry tried his hand at more forgeries. He managed to sell another fake Vermeer to the infamous Nazi Hermann Göring, one of the most powerful figures in Hitler's Germany. Göring had been gathering stolen artwork all across Europe, but occasionally purchased pieces he loved. A newly discovered Vermeer was just too tempting to pass up, and Henry walked away with half a million dollars. When the war ended and Goering's hoard of treasure was recovered, experts began to look through the collection and attempt to identify which piece came from where. The new Vermeer, though, proved tricky. After months of chasing leads, the authorities managed to arrive at Henry's doorstep. At first, they arrested him for collaborating with the Nazi forces, believing he had stolen the painting and given it to Goering personally. Henry insisted, though, that the painting was a fake, and that he had actually fooled Göring into buying it. For a long time, though, no one would believe him. After all, how could this man, this unknown, washed-up artist, ever manage to create paintings that might be confused with the work of the legendary Vermeer? So Henry proved it. Under the supervision of the authorities, 
Henry gathered the tools, chemicals, and paints necessary to complete another of his knockoff masterpieces, and then got to work. As the story goes, he wasn't even finished with the painting before the experts caved in and accepted defeat. Henry really was that good. In the end, the court convicted him of forging signatures and delivered a short one-year jail sentence. Henry, however, had a heart attack a few days after the trial and passed away before he could serve his time. Oh, and one last thing. After going through everything recovered from Henry's home, the authorities found the bag of cash that Goering had used to purchase the fake Vermeer. Henry had barely touched it, already wealthy from the sale of other fakes to a handful of European museums. That's when they discovered something absolutely amazing. The cash was fake. The unlikely fraud, it seems, had become the victim of his own game. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. This episode is sponsored by Intuit. Here's a story for you. Once upon a time, a young woman was haunted by the ghosts of bad financial decisions, with credit card debt and an empty savings account looming over her every day. But when she tried to ignore these ghosts, they only grew bigger and scarier. And these ghosts of her bad financial decisions were stopping her from living her best life. So she decided to face them head on and take control of her finances with help from Intuit. Intuit helps you face your financial fears with confidence through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungle's closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there. Thomas was a plantation owner in colonial Barbados, an island in the Caribbean. 
He lived there with his entire family and preferred it to life back in England. But when you live someplace, there is always the risk of dying there as well. In 1807, Thomas purchased a large family vault in the local cemetery in anticipation of just that sort of eventuality. That same year, the family suffered through the loss of Thomas's aunt, and she became the first to occupy the tomb. The following year, Thomas and his wife lost a daughter, Mariana, and in July of 1812, another of their children passed away. It was a lot to work through, for sure. Losing a child is never an easy thing, but each of them had a home in the family tomb. Later that same year, Thomas himself passed away. When they opened the vault, though, they were met with a surprise. All three of the coffins inside were no longer where they had left them, neatly arranged in a row on the stone floor. Instead, they seemed to have been tossed against the wall, and some of them had even been opened. The family suspected grave robbers, but there didn't appear to be anything missing. In the end, they simply replaced all the coffins and added Thomas's to the room, and then made sure to lock up and seal the vault. And then life moved on. In 1816, another of the children passed away, and after a somber funeral, the family took the small casket to the family tomb and unlocked the door. Inside, though, chaos had visited the original coffins once again. They were beginning to think that something darker was going on, that an unseen force might be at work. Just two months later, the family lost another of their own, and they returned to that all-too-familiar vault. Again, the door was still locked, and again, the coffins inside had been tossed against the walls and into general disarray. They straightened up things like before, but word began to spread around the island about what was going on in their tomb. When another of the family passed away in 1819, news spread fast enough that the governor of Barbados himself, Field Marshal Stapleton Cotton, traveled to the cemetery on the southwest corner of the island to watch the burial with his own eyes. Inside, they found the same scene of disarray, and the governor personally inspected it, before helping with sealing the tomb. This time, at his request, they covered the floor of the tomb with a layer of sand, hoping it would reveal footprints if it were ever to happen again. Then they locked the door, sealed it, and even placed secret marks on the doorframe to help them know if the vault had been tampered with. It was less than a year before the authorities were made aware of reports of noises from inside the tomb. Governor Cotton made the journey back to the tomb, and the community and family gathered around to watch him inspect it. He reportedly found the seal intact, but when he unlocked the door and pushed it inward, it resisted suspiciously. With help, he was able to open it wide enough to look in, which is when he discovered two very different clues. First, the coffins had all been tossed against the wall, which explained why the door was difficult to move. Some had tipped over, and others were standing on end. But to make matters more confusing, the sand on the floor was as smooth as it had been in 1819. Not a single footprint could be seen which, of course, reinforced the local belief that the tomb was home to more than just wooden coffins. There was a spirit in there as well, and it wasn't happy. This was apparently the final straw. In April of that year, the family pulled all of the coffins back out and transported them to new underground graves and left the old family vault empty and unused. The spirit never gave them trouble again. 
Over the years, people have offered up their own theories about why the coffins kept moving. Some blame earthquakes, while others think a cemetery has been plagued by flooding from underground sources. To be honest, no one really knows for sure, leaving this story in the realm of myth, rather than fact. When it's all said and done, I suppose, there really is only one truth we can glean from this tale. Let's all hope our final resting place is exactly that. Restful. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Stay curious.